life. If you would, please turn with me to Lamentations chapter 3. What? Did he just say Lamentations? Yeah, I did. I'm not crazy, okay? So in order to grasp the magnitude of what is actually said in Lamentations, we need to understand what Lamentations is about. So Lamentations is a, written and refers to a time period in 586 B.C., which probably means nothing to us, right? That's not a significant date in our minds. It's, it's not something that we study in school. It's definitely not something we lived through. Chuck, were you alive in 586 B.C.? No? <laughs> Just stares at me. So this date doesn't mean much to us. But it does mean everything to the Jews of that time. Because in 586, that was the year that Jerusalem, the capital city of Israel, the the home of God's temple, the cultural center for God's people, it fell to Babylon. It was destroyed. And it was a long, horrifying, gruesome ordeal because the city was under siege, which means it is surrounded No food or water gets in. No one gets out. Which means that people are just left to starve and die of disease inside the city. It was a pretty gruesome sight. And the book of Lamentations is written from that perspective, seeing what's going on in the city. And an equivalent type of book to maybe help us grasp the meaning of what this book is, was a similar event, maybe in proportion, was the United States, what happened on 9-11. Right, Just kind of this terrific, horrifying event that just shocked the entire country. And Lamentations is written from the perspective of someone who's inside the city and seeing this. And so maybe an equivalent book to us would be someone who was right at the corner of the Twin Towers and watched everything happen. Right, So like, this is a really, really deep, kind of terrifying and sad book. And it doesn't sound like a book where we would get good, joyous, new promises of a gift every single day. But that's kind of the awesome thing about God. Because even in the face of destruction, he has a way of being great. So let's read the first portion of our passage, 19 and 21, this morning. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. So the author of Lamentations is putting it out there that their heart is broken, that they are remembering what they saw and and all the pain and grief and suffering that was in the city. And this brings their heart to a place of sadness. It obviously really troubles them. But it's in the midst of their pain that they remember something. Therefore, I recall to my mind, or this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. And so what happens next is the author of Lamentations tells us what do they know that gives them hope even in the face of this major destruction. Let's continue reading here. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassion, compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
Now that is a really powerful statement. It takes tremendous amount of faith and trust to look at what's happening to Jerusalem and say, God never fails. He is merciful. And they are, his gifts are new every morning. That's like watching the Twin Towers being struck by the airplane saying, God is still merciful and good and great. That's a lot of faith. And how could someone say something like this? Especially when it seems that everything they loved was lost. They, they loved the city of Jerusalem and it was being destroyed. How, how can they say this? Well, verse 24 tells us that. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. So the Hebrew word for portion here is shalek. And it can be translated as legacy, a reward, a share, or an inheritance. Right? Something that is given to you. Something that you don't earn. It's, it's something that you, has been given to you. And this person is standing here in the center of this disaster. And they have hope because their value is not in Jerusalem. Their value is not in anything of this world. Their value and their reward is in Yahweh. And Yahweh is untouchable. He's all-powerful. He's uncreated. He's the eternal God of this universe. And God can't be sieged. He can't be destroyed. He can't be damaged. There's no army that can overtake him. So putting our value in him means that no matter what, our hope is alive. God is the one caring for us and securing our promises. And it's this realization, it's the, this truth, it's what this is when, when we recall it to our mind, is our gift. It's the fresh mercies that he shows us every single morning. His mercy is protected by him, by his love. And every morning, that promise is still there. And it is just as powerful and potent as the day before. When we buy something, it gets old and used and worn out and we have to replace it, right? That's not the case with God promises because the promise is just as good as the one who made it. And God is eternal and steadfast. And that means that the promise he makes and his love and his mercy is eternal and steadfast. So forget driving around a new car every morning or even $1,000 There is nothing, I mean nothing, that is able to restore you or lift you up, strengthen you, and bring you joy. Like realizing that God, the all-powerful God, has you in the palm of his hands. Now, this doesn't mean that the world is without trouble and that we won't experience pain. Obviously, the person who wrote this book witnessed some of the most terrible scenes a person can imagine and endured great pain and suffering. So this fact does not escape the author either, that the world is still full of pain, even though God is great. Here's what they have to say about it. Look at verse 25 with me. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him, It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. And the yoke yoke being talked about here is affliction and hardship. And we will get to how bearing that 
taking that hardship is actually beneficial for us in a minute. Let's keep reading. 28. Let him sit alone and be silent. He has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. Perhaps there is hope. Let him give his cheek to the smiter. Let him be filled with reproach. (laughs) This does not sound joyous or good. The author is asking us to endure hardship. Why is the author asking us to go through this pain? Verse 31 says, For the Lord will not reject forever. If he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. So if we endure hardship, the author is saying that God is faithful to strengthen us. He will have compassion on us because his love is abundant. Now this is where the teaching gets a little tough for us to hear because we are asked to endure tough times and hardship to be tested and pushed to our limits. Why would God allow such hardship to fall on the people who trust in him? That's a good question. It's a fair question. First of all, we need to realize that we are living in a sinful age, right? That's one reason why we go through hardship is because this world is broken. This age is full of sin and sin has consequences. It comes with pain and death. But we have hope in the kingdom. We have that to look forward to. We talked about that over the last few weeks where this next age is going to be free of those things. But while we're in this age, death and pain and suffering accompany us. Not to mention, as Christians, we sign up for persecution and hardship at times. That's what Jesus says. But when pain and hardship are presented to Christians, to those who believe in God... Something good actually results. It doesn't destroy us. It actually benefits us. Look at what 1 Peter 1, 3 through 7 has to say here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance that's that same kind of word as shalek, that, that portion, that reward, to attain this inheritance, which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though... Now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The truth of the matter is that trials purify our faith. That hardship and suffering brings us closer to God. It's the testing of our faith that is actually the proof of what's in our hearts. It's through testing that we're made stronger. If gold is our faith, then trials are the proofing fire. And when we go through them, we come out on the other side more pure. So think about it this way. Hypothetical question. Would you rather drive yourself and your family over a bridge that has been stress-tested and proven to work... Or would you rather drive your family and yourself over a bridge that only works in theory? 
Exactly. Of course, we would rather drive over the bridge that has actually been tested in the real world and proven to work. That's the same of our faith. When we go through these trials, when, we, when we're stress tested, we're proven. What's in our hearts is actually shown. So the next time you go through a trial, actually rejoice. Because when you come out on the other side, your faith is pure. Your faith is stronger. And you appreciate God's love and mercy even more. And the testing of your faith, the proven faith that you get, allows you to wake up every single morning, even in the toughest of times, even in the midst of hardship, and lets you find hope. It gives you the gift of hope. To find God's love and protection waiting for you is his gift. And what else can a person ask for? What better thing can we have in this age than an unshakable and indestructible hope? So we've looked at a lot of things this morning. Let's boil them down, make them into bite-sized pieces for us here. Number one. God's mercies are new every single morning. By this, it is meant that the promises of God will stand forever. And they're experienced in new ways every single day. And it's, we just need to realize that fact. As Lamentations said, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It's the realization of the fact, remembering, oh, God's got me, is what gives us hope. Recalling God's faithfulness, his promises, and his love is something that we need to strive after every day. I like to think of it like the manna, right? So the Israelites are in the desert, and every single morning, what happens? The manna shows up on the ground, right? And they have to go out and collect it. But they only have enough for the day. The next morning, what happens? They wake up. God has provided again. They go out and collect it. And I think that God did that on purpose, one, to teach them and to teach us that we need to rely on him every single day. And that there's a part of us that needs to strive to look for what God is providing. We need to go out and we need to see what God is doing. We need to partake in it. It's our job to realize his good mercy. And when you do that, you're going to find a faith that can stand through anything. Another thing that I think really is important from this teaching is that you may lose everything, but you cannot lose God. Lamentation says that our faith is undying, it's eternal, it's our hope that lasts forever. And as we read in 1 Peter just a few moments ago, it is a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away. When all else is lost, God remains. And that's a true gift. That's what's going to sustain us every day. And hopefully, we will never be in a place like Lamentations. Hopefully, Rockford's not going to be sieged, and we're all going to have to stay in our homes and wait out the army, right? But even if we do land in a terrible situation like that, God's love will remain steadfast because he's faithful. Number three, we obtain God's promises through faith. How do, how do we get to this place? Well, it's through faith. Lamentations 3.25 said, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, 
to the persons who seek him. Are you seeking him or are you aware of him? There's a difference. Do you love to love him? Do you look for him? Do you study about him and pray to him? Or do you just know about him? Because if you do love to love him, your faith is going to be made strong. And when you go through trials, you're going to come out on the other side more pure and strong instead of being crushed. So it's, it's fun for us to dream about, at the beginning of the sermon, it was fun for us to dream about these gifts, right? And, and then I burst your bubble and say, sorry, it's never going to happen. But even though those dreams are unrealistic, we can, without a doubt, receive every day a new hope. An undying, eternal gift. So what are you going to do with that gift? That's my question. I asked Tommy what he would do with $1,000 every day. He'd buy a mansion. What are you going to do with the gift that God gives you every single morning? What are you going to do with it? I think if we realize what God has given us, and that God is on our side, and that his loving hands are strengthening us, I think we'd be more bold. I think we would live fuller lives. I think we would start to value things that really matter, not just in this age, but the things that last into the next age. I think we would start seeing people differently. We would navigate life's challenges in ways that would astonish the people around us. We would be filled with persistent love and joy and peace. And this morning, I hope that we all see what gift we have been given, and not to waste that gift. Not to waste it with fear or indifference. Let God inspire you every single morning. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the truth that you reside with us. That you give us a new mercy, a new gift, a new loving, strong hand every single morning. I just pray that you help us remember that. In the good times and the bad times. So in your son's name we pray. Amen.